Hallelujah. If you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn. respect for the uh, the founders and the elders who attended church where there was no AC they sat in the hardwood pews before these were padded a lot of times during the winter there was usually a and I believe the church on Richland Avenue had the, uh, the stove in the middle of the church to keep you warm and you had to be careful when you took off shouting because you might leave with the mark. You might, you might leave with something you won't forget. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? It's good to be here. If you got the first scripture, you go ahead and put that up there for us, Brother Ryan. I want to say thank you to our um, our sound team. Thank you to our, our media team. Thank you to our music team. We are a blessed church. So blessed to have them. And, uh, amen. Uh, Romans 1, 16 through 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein is the righteousness of God revealed everybody say revealed from faith say from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith I want to speak just for a few moments. We've got a lot to accomplish in the rest of this service, and I'm so excited. I'm a little excited. My title today is The Big Reveal. The Big Reveal. Won't you put your Bibles down? Won't we just praise the Lord one more time before we get into his word today? See, look at your neighbor and just shout the big reveal. The big reveal. Amen. Amen. We understand this morning that, as Hebrews 11 1 through 3 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it is the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen 
We're not made of the things which are visible. Those last two lines there, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. This is a reminder this morning of just how big our God is. When I stop and look at the things on this earth, and I stop and I look at the great oceans, and I, I stand and look at the vast mountain ranges and the beautiful landscapes, and the breathtaking heavens, and the countless amount of stars in the sky that were reminded that even though man can see it, man didn't make it. He might be able to replicate it in a painting or in a picture, but man does not have the power to speak to nothing and make something happen. That's the God I serve this morning. That's why I can have faith in that God. That's when I can say there ain't nobody that can do me like Jesus because there is nobody that's even like Jesus. That's why I can sing that song and get excited because I know that there's nobody in this world, nobody in this world that can match him. Nobody. Nobody can meet what Jesus can do. But... He's spoken into existence. And the God I place my trust in, my faith does not rest in man. My faith does not rest in the government. My faith does not rest in my job. My, my faith does not rest in a paycheck. But I place my faith in the God who promised to never leave me, nor will he forsake me. When man turns his back on you... When your boss calls you in the office and says, listen, I got to let you go. God's never going to call you in the office and say, listen, I got to let you go. But sometimes he'll call you in and say, listen, I want to bring you a little closer. I got something better for you than this world will ever offer. I'm talking about a God that never changes. I'm talking about a God that never walks out on you. He'll never leave you alone nor forsake you. That's why I can praise him. That's why I can dance because he is who he is. Woo. My Lord, I thought you were going to back me up in the organ for a second. I got excited. I thought, my Lord, God just dropped it on him. Whew. It's all right. Faith, you're getting there. Faith killing it this morning, the organ. Come on. proud of our young people there is a time in life when our faith is tested doesn't matter who you are I just spent a few days with seven ministers six ministers and uh, talking with them even as ministers licensed ministers even those called into ministry pastors most of them are pastors that our faith gets tested at times it doesn't matter who you are you're not above it our faith is going to be tested. Everyone in this room has faced things in life that re required your faith to, to kick in. Financially, there are things that required your faith to kick in. Maybe it was a sickness in your body. Maybe the doctor looked you in the eye and said, listen, there's nothing, I, nothing else I can do for you. 
one of the pastors this week told me that there's a, a man in his church that the, the doctor called me and said, you got Lou Gehrig's and said, there's, there's nothing we can do for you. Honestly, it's so far gone. They said, we're going to give you about two weeks is what you have. He said, he called his pastor and said, can you come pick me up? I can't get out. I can't walk. He said, will you pick me up? He said, he went over and picked him up and put him in his car. He drove into men's conference, and they're sitting there at men's conference. And he said that the, uh, past, the preacher was talking about uh, the future and how bright the future is and, and what it looks like. And he said that on the way home, this man looked at him. He said, I don't know about you, pastor. He said, but that message was for me today. He said, I'm not going to lie, I was probably a little carnal in that moment. And I thought, brother, it broke my heart because I thought, man, you've only got two weeks to live. And here he is saying this. He said, two weeks later, I was downstairs teaching the morning Bible study. He said, and someone come running down and they said, pastor, you got to come upstairs. You got to see this. He said, what? He said, you got to get upstairs. He said, he walks upstairs and there's the bishop of the church sitting in a wheelchair. Their man that had Lou Gehrig's was standing behind him, running around the church, pushing him in his wheelchair. God healed him instantly. He spoke life into his own situation. His faith revealed God in that moment. Come on, don't tell me he can't do it. He's real. He's real. Woo. It doesn't matter what you're facing, but whatever it is, Whatever it is, when it gets too big for you, your faith was then required to be activated. Your faith had to kick in. I, I remember I remember when I was 19 years old, I bought a new car. And uh, a, a, a few months into making the payments, and life happened and, and just some stuff happened. I didn't have the money to make the payment. And I, 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 I went to the to my car on, on my lunch break and I prayed and I simply just placed the problem in, in God's hand and faith. I just said, Lord, I don't have it. It's $250. I don't get paid till next week. I don't have the money. And I didn't, well, didn't want to bother anybody else with it. I didn't say anything to mom and dad. I thought, you know what? This is my problem and Lord, I'm going to bring it to you. So I was sitting there in my car and my faith just began to stir inside me. And something said, you've got time to drive down to the bank and just ask them if there's any money in the account. I already knew. I already checked. And something just said, drive down to the bank and ask if there's any money in the account. So I drove down to the bank, walked up to the teller. I said, how you doing, ma'am? I said, I need to make my car payment. And I need to see how much money is in my account. She said, okay. I knew there was zero. I knew it. And she looked at me kind of funny. And she said, well, sir, uh, you just made a deposit a few minutes ago. I said, excuse me? She said, don't you know what's in there? You just made the deposit a few minutes ago. I said, no, I just walked in the front door. I didn't make any deposit. She said, well, someone just made a deposit for you in the amount of $250. That might seem small to you, but that was pretty big to me. If God will take care of the small things, don't tell me he won't take care of the big things. If you'll have faith for the little things, God will have faith for the big things. And God will move, and no matter what it is, no matter the size of the mountain, God says, speak to it. Speak to it. It's faith. It's faith. Listen, your, your faith reveals the hand of God in your life. 
That's why Satan wants nothing more than to starve your faith in God until there's nothing left. He wants to drain you spiritually in your strength. Like the physical body begins to deteriorate after a long period of time without food. That it, it, can keep you, uh, it can keep you out of the word when you start getting uh, tired and dehydrated spiritually. Uh, it, it, it'll keep you out of prayer and uh, it'll keep you out of the church building. Uh, it'll keep you away from your brothers and your sisters uh, that you were worshiping with this morning. Uh, it'll keep you out of the prayer room uh, here and at home. Uh, it'll keep you away from the places uh, that you are spiritually fed. You won't come to Bible study anymore on a Wednesday night where you get fed the word of God. You won't come to Tuesday night prayer anymore when he's begin to de deteriorate you uh, uh, spiritually and you just feel like I can't even move anymore. Your faith is completely gone. But I want to tell somebody today that you need to feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. You need to feed your faith and starve your fear to death. You need to feed what matters, and you need to starve. When you start getting those thoughts or someone starts speaking uh, the negativ uh, negativity into your life, uh, what you need to do is just shut that off uh, and say, I don't have room for that. Uh, I'm full of faith. You know what I'm talking about? When you go eat so much, you, your dinner's so big, and they come out and they say, would you like dessert? And you're thinking, oh, yes, but I don't have room. That's what I'm talking about, that you're so full of faith when hell comes and says, oh, hold up, did, did God answer that prayer yet? You say, you know what, I don't have room for that because I'm full of faith. He's going to answer it. He's never failed me yet, that song. I don't like that song. I don't. I don't think we've ever sang that here. And probably as long as I'm pastor, I don't think we will. Because I don't like it. Because you're leaving room for God to fail. He's never failed me yet. God ain't never going to fail you. You can just sing, he's never failed me. He's never failed me. Leave the yet off. Because there ain't no chance he's going to fail you. Not a chance. So you need to feed your faith and starve your fears to death. Because it's your faith. It's your faith, not fears, but faith that reveals God. It's your faith that reveals miracles in your life. It's your faith that reveals your blessings in your life. It was my faith that, that moved something in the spiritual realm to have $250 deposited into my physical bank account. Do you understand that your faith spiritually can move the physical? They work together. Faith reveals answers that you've been waiting for. You've been praying and asking for answers. What is this? Let your faith be in operation today. God will give you the answers. Amen. Somebody shout the big reveal. I want you to understand something this morning that everything that you're dealing with right now, every conflict that you're facing, every situation you find yourself in has everything to do with your faith walk with God. Now, that does not mean that if you're going through troubles that it's a sign that you don't have faith. I'm not saying that. Maybe you simply need to release your faith and allow God to be revealed in your life. You see, you can live for God and still have troubles. 
If you live for God, expect troubles. If you don't have any troubles, you're in trouble. If you don't have any troubles, you're in trouble. You need to find a prayer room. Let's look at, look at Abraham for a second. Talk about a man of God. Someone who had a relationship daily. Talked with him, heard his voice. Was not a stranger at all to God. Lived for him, dedicated to him, but yet troubles. Yet problems. Yet physical issues. Well, I can't, we can't have a baby. Physical issues. Faith can take care of that. Faith can take care of that. I'll speak to somebody this morning and tell you right now, faith can take care of that. I don't care what the doctor told you. Faith can take care of that. Faith can handle that. I'll tell you right now that I'm, my, my assistant pastor years ago was in a service and they, 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 they could not have a baby and, and they had faith that God was going to do it and they heard a baby begin to cry behind them. They turned around, there was no baby there. It wasn't weeks later they found out they were expecting. I'm telling you right now, God has no limits. Abraham, longing for this. And then God gives him this miracle child. God then in return asked him to take Isaac to the mountain and sacrifice him on an altar. This could have been a, an open invitation to all of hell to attack Abraham's faith. But instead, you see a man of God that does not waver. He does not move. But instead, he says, you know what? I have enough faith in you, Lord. You've never... Failed me. You've never done me wrong. You've heard my prayers. You've heard my cries. You answered them. I don't think you're going to start now. Turn your back on me. And he had enough faith in this God to take his boy, his only boy, to the mountain with a knife, a stack of wood, told the servants, stay down here, we'll be back. And it says in Genesis 22, 11 through 14, it says, But the angel of the Lord called to him. And if you remember in the studies that I did a few months ago, in the studies of the angel of the Lord, is the, it is the Spirit of God called to him from the heavens and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. He said, For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its, by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it, uh, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of this place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Listen to me this morning. 
it was not just relationship that brought the ram. It was not the fact that he talked to him every once in a while that brought the ram. But what it was, that it was the faith in God to say this doesn't make sense, Lord. I can't make sense of this. But it was his faith in God that revealed the ram in the thicket just in time to save the miracle that God had given to him. I'm telling you, somebody this morning needs to stop what you're doing and start looking around for a ram in the thicket. You need to Start looking around and say, God, I know you won't leave me. You won't forsake me. It's around here somewhere. I got faith. There's a ram in the thicket somewhere for me. He won't leave you. He won't do it. Not going to happen. Let's look at another great man. Let's look at Moses. Let's look at the children of Israel at the Red Sea. That they've been released Freedom that they have cried for for years. They finally get it. Finally. And then they're, 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 they're moving along following Moses. And he says, follow me. Uh, we're going to leave this place. And then they, they come to this place called the Red Sea. And they go, okay. What now, Moses? What are we going to do now? You brought us here. What are we going to do? What's your plan, Moses? Moses in that situation did not allow fear to creep in. You see, because there's no place for intimidation from hell when you're walking in the will of God. The will of God is not always straight roads, beautiful paths, it's not always where you're walking along and there's no pain, no suffering. No. There's going to be red seas. There's going to be moments. There's going to be mountaintops. There's going to be altars, Abraham. There's going to be these moments, Moses, where God's going to say, I brought you this far. Do you have faith that I can take you through? So he knew. Moses knew. God would not bring us to this place for us to turn back and go back into bondage. But it says here in Exodus 14, start at verse 16, it says, But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen, and the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went uh, from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other. Mm-hmm. So that the one did not come near the other all night. They were resting in the midst of their enemies. 
Remember that? I'll prepare a table before you. He said, sit down and rest. It's okay. I've got you covered. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. And all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels. Isn't God cool? He took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Even your enemy recognizes who's fighting for you. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on the chariots and on the horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all of the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. Listen. His faith got them out. But not only did it get them out, his faith removed the enemy in the middle of getting them out. Your faith can accomplish more than just saving you. But your faith can actually remove the enemy that's been fighting you for years. It can come in and say, listen, while you're here, here's your miracle. While I'm here, I'll slay your enemy while I'm here. Listen, God is fighting for you. God is pushing back the enemy for you. He is not just positioning you for victory uh, he's positioning them for defeat uh, someone needs to activate your faith this morning uh, and understand God's got your back it was then that faith revealed their God could you imagine that moment it says here that the, that the Egyptian army said listen God's fighting for them we need to go back we need to get out of here. That was the moment of the big reveal. They realized, oh, no, 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 no. It's not just the people we're fighting. It's their God. And he's too big for us. He's too big for us. Let's look here about faith. And what faith can do for you in Luke 17, 11 through 19. Talk about the ten lepers. It says, now it happened as... He went to Jerusalem and that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered into a certain village. And there met him ten men who were lepers and who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them... One of them, 
when he saw that he was healed, he stopped. And he returned. And with a loud voice, he glorified God and fell down to his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? Where's the rest of you? I thought there was ten. But there's only one. He said, but where are the nine? He said, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. The nine were cleansed. Cleansed does not mean completely healed. So the nine might have walked around with the scars and the evidence of who they used to be while one got to walk away whole. No one would ever know he ever had it because the scars were even removed. Because he had faith to come back and say, oh, thank you. Thank you for cleansing me. But not only was he saying, thank you for cleansing me. But his faith was saying, you cleansed me. I know you can do the rest. His faith revealed his full miracle. His faith revealed, your faith reveals the hand of God in your life. It reveals the hand of God in your life. I'm going to close with this story I want to share with you. As we're getting ready to go into, as you know, that I've announced today is our Faith Promise Sunday. This is we're moving in a direction and we're taking steps of faith. Phase one, my goodness, was God not good to us? I think we could take a moment and just thank God for what he did for us last year. In the middle of a pandemic, people were losing jobs left and right all around us. But we had people getting raises. We had people getting promotions. Come on, we paid off a debt of $108,000 in months was paid off. God deserves some glory for that today. We're moving into phase two. I want us to understand the purpose of what we're about to do. I want us to understand what faith can do. You see, faith is good, and, and, and the Bible tells us in Matthew 17, I'll get to that in a second. But I want us to understand what faith is going to do, not just for us now, but what faith will do for generations to come. Our faith that we're going to activate today is not just going to make a difference for you, but it's going to make a difference 20 30, 
40, 100 years down the road if the Lord tarries. And this, this little old lady was sharing this story with me. And I'm, I do hospice chaplain work, and I go visit patients who are dying. And, and I walk in, there's this little lady, she's from Britain. Her name is Margaret. Margaret. She said, what is your name? I said, Barry. She said, Barry. And I said, I like how you say that. That's cool. Margaret was sharing the story with me. She said, can I share this story with you real quick? And I said, yeah. She said, when I was a little child, and I lived back home, she said, before my parents moved me here, I was at my grandparents' house. And she said, my grandpa was eating an apple, and when he got done, there was apple seed laying there. And I said, Grandpa, can I, can I plant this? And he said, sure, let's go. He said, she, they went out back behind his tool shed, and they got a shovel, and she planted it. And he said, I'll take care of this for you because you're going to be leaving. Now, this woman is about 97 years old now. She said about 15 years ago, she made the decision that she wanted to go home one last time. And she said that she made the trip home and asked somebody, is grandma and grandpa's house still standing? And someone informed her that, oh, it's still in the family. You've got family that live in there now. She said, will you please take me over there? So they drove over there, and she got out, and as she was standing in the front yard, she said it, it dawned on her. And she asked that person, she said, is there an apple tree out back? And they said, yes. She said, behind the shed. And they said, yes. She said, will you take me to it? So they walked back there, and she said, there are beautiful apples. And she took one off and began to eat it. She said that family that was standing there generations later gave her a hug and said, thank you. I didn't know you planted this. Said, hey, you have been feeding us for years. You have been feeding and you will be feeding generations to generations to come as long as this tree is okay. You've given us applesauce, apple pies, so many great things. Thank you for planting that seed because you're feeding generations of your family. And she looked at me and she said, you know what, Barry? She said, when I'm dead and gone, I will still be contributing to my family. It hit me on a spiritual level that she didn't realize what she said. And my mind instantly went to that little mustard seed of faith. I can keep that faith in my pocket until I'm dead and gone. It does nothing. I could sit here today and say, you know what? I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to step out in faith. I'm not going to do it. But what would happen if we would take that little grain, just that one little grain, mustard seed?
decision. That little bit of faith you got. And say, I'm going to plan it today. That little one. Matthew 17 tells us, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, that you're, for assuredly I say to you that if you have faith as of a mustard seed, that you will say to this mountain, move from hence to there, from here to there. And it will move because nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except with prayer and fasting. We take this little thing of faith and what we're planting right now in this current generation, I believe that generations to come are going to reap the fruit of it. Years down the road, your great-great-grandchildren that you'll never meet, just like this woman said, she said, even when I'm dead and gone, they'll reap the benefits of the seed I planted. Even when you're dead and gone, and this current congregation isn't here no more, and I'm not pastoring anymore because I'm dead and gone, if, if the Lord's still tarrying, that whoever it is, I believe the fruit we plant now of faith, that they're going to be reaping a great harvest off of that fruit that we're going to be planting today and over this next few months and over this next year we're going to be planting. And there, I'm telling you right now that they're, they're, I mean, you're, going to see, you're going to see here soon. You see the plans. You see the plans. But listen, here's the thing. This, this current plan right now holds about 343 people in the sanctuary. Oh, and I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. What an amazing thing that is. I want to fill it up. Let's fill that thing up with souls. Let's fill it up. But I also understand this, that there's a phase two to this building that can hold roughly about 500 people in there. That's awesome. I hope I get to see that. But there's also a phase three that can hold right close to 800 people. Sister Betty's dream, if anybody remembers that. But there's also a phase four. I was not aware of this until my office just a couple weeks ago. The, the designer said, there's a phase four. I said, what is that? He says, you can take this entire plan and you can mirror image it. And you can hold about 1,200 people in this building. Will I be here to see it? I don't know. But can I plant a seed to faith today? That generations to come can reap that harvest? Absolutely I can. Absolutely I can.